We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to talk adjustments. Lakers lost 99-90 to against Phoenix in Game 1. And so we're going to start on the offensive end. D, those 90 points aren't enough. And yesterday you accurately pointed out that Phoenix looked to defend us similarly to how most teams defend us in that we're, they're going to pack the paint, they're going to be in a drop coverage, they're going to really overload to the strong side and make us beat them with our jump shots. And we did get some good looks, but we also didn't exactly make our lives easier in the process of doing that. So what adjustments do we need to make to put more points on the board in game two? And how much of it is just make shots? So I think both things are true. I think the Lakers do need to make more shots. I think based off of their shot quality, they should have made more shots. And rough shooting nights are a bit more frequent for this team than I think any of us would would like. And I think one showing up in game one of the playoffs is not the best omen for this team when it's been a concern to the level that it's been a concern throughout the year, right? Um, the flip side of that is, though, is that the Lakers do need to do a little bit more, especially with weak side actions in order to get their shooters a bit more time. I think what the Lakers are doing is fairly predictable and it's fairly simple. The defense is going to pack the paint and we already know that, right? But if their rotations out of that packed paint are still pretty standard stuff, 
and pretty straightforward and simple, then the likelihood that they're going to make mistakes or take a false step or otherwise not be in a position to still get a good contest on the shooters that they want to get a good contest on, the the likelihood of that is still high for them. And so I do think the Lakers need to start countering some. They're not going to stop going to the post. The Lakers are not. We were so much more effective with our ball screens, though. The way that game started, we scored 17 points in the first six minutes and then 73 in the last three and a half quarters. And our pick and roll play was so much more effective than our post play. That If we're going to keep going to that, we need to be way more productive. It can't just be three guys standing on the weak side. They're overloading. We've got opportunities for pin screens. We've got opportunities for skip passes that we're not executing uh, and 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 countering what they're doing to overload on the post. And it just ends up being a contested jumper for AD over DeAndre Ayton, which when AD is right, like that's fine. It doesn't really matter who's on him because he's going to make those shots. But if he's not, that can't be the only thing that we rely on out of the post. And so many of our our actions are clear out one side of the court, throw the ball to to you, and we're just going to stand there. And that's just not good enough. I think that, and the second part of that is where it's not good enough. And I think that that's right. So when I say the Lakers aren't going to stop going to, to the post, I just think that that's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's They're, a statement of fact. Yes. Right. Whether, like, whether we like it or not. Yes. Yeah. LeBron's going to post up. AD I, is I going feel, to post. I feel way better about post LeBron's up. post-ups, by the way. I feel way better about his than AD's. Me as well. And it's because LeBron, so LeBron has more variety in his post-ups right? They post him more at the elbows and on both blocks. And LeBron probably is 50-50 in terms of backing down with with a post-up and turning and facing. And it might even be less than that in terms of turning and facing. The pressure then is consistently on the defense when, when a guy is sort of backing you down defenses start to feel a little bit more like, oh, damn, he's getting closer. He's yeah, getting closer. The guys who were posting up weren't putting a ton of pressure on the defense in the first place, very much looking to pass or, or attack from exactly where they are. Or just a turn in face is sort of just like, yes, I think that makes it easier on a player like Anthony Davis to see the whole floor. And it makes his passing reads a little bit bit easier. But it also makes it so that, oh, this is sort of just a drive. Right. And it makes it so that the defense sort of knows, okay, he's putting the ball on the ground now. Here comes my help. And all the rotations behind that are pretty straight, straightforward. I do think the Lakers need to cut more. I think they need to set more pin screens. I think they need to do more weak side exchanges, right? Just to get the defense moving a little bit more because them standing still and having straight line closeouts off of pretty predictable cuts and and sort of standstill positions though that's too simple um but it still goes back to to the fact that the open shots the lakers do get they they need to make and ad does just need to play better when he's catching the ball it can't be jab step jab step jab step 15 foot fadeaway like that just can't be it. I thought one of his more productive offensive possessions was where he did catch the ball 12 to 15 feet away from from the basket. He shoulder Jade Crowder. 
He went into a dribble move. He shouldered him again and then got down to about six to eight feet and then shot shot the jumper. There's just a certain amount of more aggression you need from those actions if you're going to go to to the post a little bit more. But Mike, I also feel like what Pete said isn't wrong in terms of going to more ball screen actions and, and involving the bigs in ways that get them downhill a little bit more. The thing that you're seeing, is it sort of just like, hey, just just play better? Or are there things where you're just like, well, these are these are tactics or ways that they could try to get to play a little bit better? Yeah, there are always going to be, especially in a game like this, there are going to be a lot of areas. And I, I've, I've got the game on in the background right now. So there are a lot of different areas where I think that they could focus more. But the the thing that sticks out to me is not as much the offense uh, as it is the defense and the attention to detail and the way that the Lakers play a lot of what they do on offense and not just in terms of like transition or fast break points, but just in terms of how engaged they are <clears throat> starts with how engaged they are on the defensive end. And so they come out and LeBron's the first culprit. It just just lets Aiton go by one time, doesn't close out in the corner to Bridges. And that sort of Phoenix got a lot of easy baskets is the best way to put this. And the Lakers, I think if we could say anything about them these last two years, they're really good at not giving teams easy baskets. That's just that's one of the things that they do well. They close out well to threes. They rotate. They get back to the rim. They get back in transition. They're they're kind of on it um, for the most part. And on the other end, Phoenix was very disciplined. Phoenix was not forgetting to track the Lakers. They were not just letting AD do what he wanted on the perimeter. They certainly weren't going to let LeBron uh, just have an angle to the hoop. They uh, they were not letting Schroeder get out ahead for the most part. And you saw little pockets where the Lakers got back into the game. And then like one of them was the LeBron and Harrell series where LeBron was feeding Harrell. And then Chris Paul goes out and the Lakers just let their foot off the gas again. So I think everything that you guys pointed out about adjustments on the offensive end, those are all things that, that they could certainly do. I'm sure that the coaches are reviewing a lot of that at the moment, but they're also saying to themselves, the, the fixable stuff that we can do is just straight up energy, effort, and intensity that uh, that the Lakers can bring better. And I think that will then change the tide of the game considerably. It's funny that you're in the rewatch right now, right? I know you put it on right before we started recording. And we only gave up 99 points. And so that should be enough to beat the Phoenix Suns. But in doing the rewatch, there are so many of those, like, that was just, those were unnecessary points to give up. We didn't have to make it that easy on Phoenix. And Phoenix is the exact opposite of that in that their transition defense is excellent. They're, they execute their game plan very well. They're well coached. And this is an example of why continuity and cohesion matters in that when they're going to execute a game plan, everybody's on the same page. And that's something that we have difficulties with. The ability to defend and not give up those easy points and get stops will also get us out into transition more. I do think that we need to, in, in terms of pulling the focus back to the offensive end, they're related, right, Mike? Like you, we get those stops. We push the ball in transition. We had a, uh, some really nice minutes with LeBron and Trez offensively, in part because Trez is rim running, is setting drag screens. Everybody's spacing out to the corners. We've got the floor spread, and that's something that if we can avoid our half court offense altogether, that's uh, that's a huge benefit. So, in terms of our transition game. Uh, 
I didn't see us, D, I didn't see LeBron really pushing the pace that much aside from the second unit. Uh, how do we avoid our half-court offense altogether? Because that's been the weakness of this team all year. How do we get more of those transition, but not just like fast breaks, but those early offenses, those drag screens, those delays, all of those quick hitting type of actions that that you can get in the first seven to 10 seconds of the shot clock? Because I think that we would be well served to to go more toward that than we have been. Well, it's going to be a challenge against this Phoenix team. Um, Phoenix is not going to go to the offensive glass very often. I think just Aiden. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, I think their, their second chance point stats was a little bit skewed because a fair amount of those were like long rebounds, long rebounds. I hate our long rebounds. We turn our perimeter guys turn and watch, and then the ball hits the rim. And then they're like, they're like, Oh crap, let's go react now. You got to react while the ball's in the air. You've got to be sliding over to the empty spa- space where where the ball can go based on the angle of the shot, all that. Yeah, that drives me crazy too. I, I mean, the Lakers also don't have a lot of good rebounding guards on, on their team, right? Which is sort of a thing that we don't discuss a lot within strengths and weaknesses. But last year's team was much stronger in terms of rebounding guards. Like Rondo was a great rebounding guard. Caruso's a good rebounding guard. Um, Even Bradley and Danny Green. Danny Green is a guy who's sort of comfortable living around the paint and like the foul line area, right? And, And there's some fundamental stuff. Like you cannot run out before you have the ball. And and so, A, I think the Lakers need to show a little bit more discipline in terms of closing possessions down. But second, it is about outletting and and being committed, Mike, to like getting out there and actually pushing the pace like you have to hunt those opportunities because Phoenix isn't just going to surrender them because they're not a bad team. They're they're smart and they're disciplined. The thing that I'm thinking more about as I partly as I rewatch the game and just thinking about it, DeAndre Ayton. So 37 minutes, 10, uh, 10 of 11 from the field, 21 and 16. This is a I think this is a player when we did the scouting report and just when anybody talked about this series, it was kind of like, well, I don't know, like Phoenix fans don't like Ayton. Uh, there are some Phoenix fans that um, that I was around the other day and the fan base is kind of like, oh, I don't know, is he is a little soft, like he doesn't quite know what he's doing all the time. And I, I made the point, well, he's got to he's got to know what he may have to do against A.D. and Drummond and Trez and maybe Gasol. And instead, we just saw him just work hard, play hard, sprint, run, just do basic stuff, basic. And the, he and the Lakers just weren't there for it. And I think that if if they just adjust to him, like Booker's going to score, right? Some nights he's going to be efficient. Like this one, he was 13 for 26. Um, other nights he's going to get to the free throw line more, but like he's going to score. He's a, he's a really, really talented offensive player. Chris Paul is going to have better games um, in terms of scoring. Certainly, I think his shoulder is going to be better. Um, I heard some some good news in terms of his health yesterday um, about it. And But I think that the Lakers can and have to neutralize what Aiton just did. They they have the personnel for it more than anybody else does in the league. And if they take away some of that easy stuff, whether it's putbacks or transition layups or whatever, that right there should should really force Phoenix into being more of just a jump shooting team. I thought Monty Williams did an exceptional job of finding places for Aiton to use his strength. 
that's something that I always say about this team is that to beat us as individual players and as a team, you have to physically overpower us. You got to be able to go through us. And he did an excellent job of putting Aiton in situations where KCP or Schroeder had to tag him or box him out or do something physically to, and that's a massive advantage for Aiden. Aiden's a big and strong dude, D. And so many of his opportunities around the basket had to do with guards and smaller players having to account for him. The AD at the five lineups, we ran them quite a bit in, in yesterday's game. They played 12 minutes and 44 seconds. They got outscored 26 to 17 in the AD at the five units. And a big part of that was DeAndre Ayton kicking our ass on the offensive boards and just generally around the rim. And a big part of him doing that is because it's Dennis having to box him out or KCP having to deal with him. How do we address that issue of not putting our guards, our very small guards in situations where they've got to contend with him? I mean, it's, it's tricky, but I was not as happy with the Lakers defensive approach um, in terms of trying to manage the Suns' two-man game yesterday mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. pick-and-roll action and and even their their staggered screen actions that um, basically group a dynamic guard, so either Chris Paul and and Devin Booker with Aiton at the at either screening on the ball or screening off the ball to free up one of those guards and what the Lakers were doing were putting both defenders the guy on the ball right or the guy defending Booker or Chris Paul and the big man and they were putting them up and they were trying to contain they were trying to contain two players with those two players only and it and I get the sentiment with that because Phoenix plays so many shooters. And it's what we talked about in the preview pod is that the Suns are going to try to space you out. They're going to play a lot of shooters and tagging off of them with your weak side wing creates problems because both Booker and Paul are capable of hitting the skip pass to the opposite side of the court. And it's one of the reasons why I thought the Lakers were trying to be early with their traps on Booker, especially. But we were more, and we weren't even really trapping that much. This is something that Mike pointed out that Steve Kerr said that we tend to corral guys more. I would argue that the one team that we had a different approach against that I liked it against was Luca. Remember, we blitzed Luca like we legitimately trapped him. And I think that that engages our weak side defense. I think that we're in kind of a no man's land in our defensive coverages against these two guards in particular. And the fact that there are two of them is part of what makes it difficult. But I think we either need to commit to that blitz or as we did in the second half, we were more at show at the level of screen, but be dropping off of that. I think it's, I think we're kind of in an in-between space that doesn't help in, in either direction. Well, both Paul and Booker, Mike, they're too good of shooters in the mid range. And they're too good at engaging the big man in the mid-range area and keeping him on the ball for long enough that it is one of the Lakers' smaller guards because the, it is the smaller guards who are going to be defending Chris Paul and and well and Booker. It is some of the smaller guards who then have to deal with Aiton getting downhill 
right? It's it's one of the reasons why later in the game they went. I, I thought they went to Wes Matthews and put him on Chris Paul because at least Matthews, if he ends up on a switch, he's going to do better at keeping one of those big guys off of the glass, right? Or battling him for space as he tries to walk you, as Aiton tries to walk you down to the painted area. A bigger defender is going to be able to to wall him off, wall Aiton off a little bit better there. But I think the guards, they can't get caught up having to defend the big man for as long as they did yes yesterday they have to recover to their own own man and pete and mike if that means blitzing a little bit more in order to keep that guard at the point of attack for longer right and then have the big man recover even if that means not recovering to his own man but recovering to opposite corner then there are better rotations the lakers can can make out of the ball screen actions rather than just sort of live with the fact that Aiton is going to walk down those smaller guys there's one other thing that i'd like to see and it's 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 kuzma not just in terms of scoring he only took two shots in 19 minutes he really didn't have the ball much and I'm not I've never been in that hole. Kuzma's got to be the third guy like that's a stupid concept. That's not where things were ever going to go. Uh, but he is a guy that ha- he's got more stuff in his offensive game than some of the guys that the Lakers put out there. So if you, if they can get him engaged in on on the floor a little bit more um, involved in some more actions like that's the kind of guy to me that can make things more difficult on the Suns and the Suns don't really have a player like him. Um, a a bigger guy that can sort of either create his own shot at times or at least get some of those actions where he's running to the hoop. You know, Phoenix is a relatively simple offensive team. They have they have a couple guys who just are three and D like in Bridges and Crowder. Um, They've got Booker and Chris Paul who can obviously do more to create. But for the most part, you can keep them into that mid range and to take tough shots as long as you're contesting the threes. And then they've got Aiden. So in a way, they're a little they're kind of similar to Utah, um, except that they don't have quite the three point shooting or um, quite as much there. And you can that's a defense. This is kind of why I saw the series as being one. If the Lakers brought the required energy and effort that they could have a good edge in terms of a matchup, because there really shouldn't be that many things when the Lakers are completely locked in and plugged in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That Phoenix can do other than hit some tough shots. Yeah, they're a team that 
the attack pretty much comes from the same place most of the time. So uh, we should be able to adjust. And 99 points is great. Ideally, we hold them to 99 every night. But let's take a quick break when we come back. I'm glad you brought up Kuz, Mike, because I think that uh, offensively there are some things that we can do to free him up, but also loosen things up even beyond ball screen. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you guys about that. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So Phoenix's defensive concepts are very much built around overloading one side. And so they're really committing to one side of the floor. And we are not countering that particularly well, as as mentioned earlier. I would love to see us run more of our horn sets, more of our elbow sets. And Mark's got to play. Like Mark would help with so much of, for example, with coups. On a lot of times he'll come off of the screens, but they're fighting over the top of it or they're going to top lock it or they're going to, they're going to jam it up so that you have to run a counter or two. And that's playoff basketball, right? In a playoff series with a team that has a week to prepare even before game one and is only preparing for you, the same concept that we talk about with the Lakers all the time applies to the other team. They know what we do. They know plan A, plan B of what we like to do. And we got to get deeper into what we do. Part of that is a certain degree of ball denial of I'm not going to let you catch the ball. I'm going to force your catch out further that is vulnerable to back cuts that Mark is great at that KCP was getting jammed up on. There was one play where we tried to run a lot of the handoff action between AD and KCP. And if a team's locking and trailing on KCP, he'll loop around if Mark's in the game, then Mark will hit him with a bounce pass for a cutting layup. We we saw that a ton. If it's if they're playing ball denial of not letting him go get the handoff in the first place, you fake middle, you cut toward the baseline, and then that's a layup. Mark, along with the three-point shooting, with the spacing, with all of that, it's something that we talked about in the last episode, but we need to lift Phoenix out of the paint. They are packing the paint, forcing us to shoot, and we need to hit our shots. But there are things that we can do to help pull them out of the paint in the first place. So, D, I would love to see them lifting guys, using those horn sets, having Mark in the game, forcing Phoenix out of the paint, because that's exactly what they want to do is to clog it down there. I think Mark needs to play. I'm tired of hammering this point. 
Mark's passing and shooting ability is going to help open up the floor. And I do agree with going to their horn sets. Um, but another passer and playmaker on the court who actually reads pass is super important. It, they all play into each other. If you're going to have your bigs up on the horns, they got to be able to pass the ball. I've been pro Mark all year. What I'm trying to figure out is whose minutes are getting cut to allow for Mark to get legitimate time. I'm not saying who do we think minutes should be cut. Who do we think that Vogel can actually do it uh, based on based on what he's shown all season long? And, and look at the first. So Kuzma 19 off the bench, Harrell 15, Caruso 24, THT 7, West Matthews 12. And then the starters all played in the high 30s except for Drummond who played 19. I think you can shave a little bit off of Drummond and shave a little bit off of Trez. Specifically, like Trez alongside LeBron against Sharich, Trez is going to kick their ass. And he did kick their ass. But Trez shouldn't play when Aiton's in the game. And that happened a couple of times in the in that game. And those non-LeBron minutes specifically, it should be – and this is something Darius and I were saying before. This shouldn't be a how do we fit Mark in. Mark should be the – constant in that he should play and then it's how much of the dial do we turn for drummond and trez that's that's where i stand so that's subbing drummond out a little sooner that's putting in trez a little bit later and then you get can get 16 minutes out of mark that the you know eight eight minute shifts so drum is it how many minutes then pete in this series 16 or so all right so that's three for mark and then harold played 15 and you get harold down to like 10 two shifts of five Eight, eight to ten. Mm-hmm. That, but this, so that's only eight. That's so, so that's like eight minutes for Mark. It it is, but it's all. But it's also yeah. you can take minutes from other guys because I think that this is less of an AD at the five series. That's the that's the main guy in terms of taking minutes uh, at at the five is, and so that means, gosh, I'd ha- I'd have to think. So for one, I don't think THT should play. THT played in the in the first half. Those are minutes that I know that sounds counterintuitive, but those can go to Mark with with guys shifting down. That means Wes at the two. That also speaking of Wes, I don't think he's a good matchup for Booker. We put him on on Booker some, and he went off on him. He's too. Just as there are guys we've talked so much this year about the matchup at the five and how certain guys are appropriate for Trez, certain guys for Mark and and whatnot. Same thing happens on the wing. Booker's a step too quick for Wes. I digress, but uh, there are. There are places throughout the, the rest of the rotation where – and if that means Drummond plays 12 minutes or Trez doesn't play at all, if I'm going to take from one of the two, it's going to be from Trez. As, mu- as great as, as much as I've liked him on the offensive end and in those lineups against Sharich, if it's a choice between that and Mark playing, I want Mark to play. Like Mark is the better player. And I love, I love Trez. I'm a big Trez guy. But we've got two centers, two legit fives that are better players than him. And – to me, it's not a like, oh, where do we find the time for Mark? Like, he's he's a better player. I don't know. For me, I would look at last year's model a bit more. And I think Drummond should go out when LeBron goes out. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. Vogel's gone back to the rotation, guys, where LeBron's going out around the six-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's that's a six-minute shift right there. That's a line of demarcation. Take out Drummond there and bring Gasol in. Mm-hmm. You got right? somebody to run your offense. And, yep. and, and that's someone that can help. He can help Dennis, right? So we always think about how Mark can help, how he helps everyone in this sort of like, oh, well, spacing and 
passing, right? But spacing and passing is super important and it helps everyone. And so those same sort of back cut ideas that you were talking about earlier in terms of KCP and Kuzma, you know who else is very good at back cuts? Dennis freaking Schroeder on, yep. on, on those open side, like, yep. like on those wing actions. And that with, with Phoenix packing the paint as they do, one of the good things that we did was ta- attack along the baseline. That's where they're vulnerable. And that's exactly an action where we could get buckets out of, yes. And so I would play Mark probably that six minute shift to end the first quarter and he can play the rest of that quarter with ad right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the start of the second quarter you can play trez with well with lebron Mm -hmm. right and then fill in however else you want to fill fill in around that that's maybe it's caruso maybe it's wes and coos right so caruso wes coos lebron trez start of the second quarter at some point trez goes out you come back with ad lebron goes out you come back with dennis kcp comes back for for wes or even caruso and then you you filter back that way and then if you then want to say drummond comes back maybe drummond comes comes back or you just ride with ad at the five and you've got lebron ad and 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 on down the line right so those last six minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter to me are go with the hot hand whatever's work right so to answer your question mike about like where do you find the minutes for mark completely sign me up for the last six minutes of the first quarter and the last six minutes of the third quarter if he's good give him more run in the second quarter in the fourth quarter if he's not go with the guy who's yeah. who's been best in that spot you know what i mean so it's there's going to be a range where i think the floor for mark is 12 minutes in that last six minutes of the sixth of the first and third quarters yeah the, in my in my perfect world he would play even more than that i've just i've just struggled for to sure. see how they you know how based on what we've seen and they've showed us all year that that's going to happen uh, the, the the reason I wanted to pin you down on sort of minutes and who you're taking away from, because I do think they're going to have to basically pick between Caruso and THT to an extent. I, I just I don't think you can play 11 guys uh, Be- you between know. Caruso and THT or did you mean I'm sorry, that? THT and Wes? Yeah, obviously. Yes. Yeah, obviously Caruso um, should play 48 minutes. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I think the other the other part of this I want to mention and maybe introduce as a bit as a to get your guys' thoughts on Gasol is at his best guarding a big that likes that, that is a like an attacking offensive big a low post big hey he's the guy that can limit the Jokic's and the Embiid's right uh to go bears a bit of a different story as a roller but still so Aiden is a bit of a hybrid he's not going to go out and shoot threes but he is going to face up he is going to get high in the floor and what Chris Paul or Devin Booker are going to try to do is get Mark out in the perimeter in all that screen roll action so that's my question is in I think that Mark can figure that out and it's worth it for his offense and it's worth it for his spacing and it's worth it for the times that Aiton does uh, get into the paint some, but he can run past Mark in transition and Mark is going to get pulled out in the perimeter. So how do you square that uh, part of it and what's the trade-off for Mark and where where Chris Paul and Booker are going to be able to try to take advantage of the stuff that he doesn't like to do as much? I think that's a concern. What I would counter with is Mark is so smart defensively that I trust him more in taking the right angles and making the right rotations out of the actions that they're trying to pull him in in to. And there are, especially if he's going to share the floor with AD, Mike, 
Like, th and that's sort of what my proposal is within all of this is if you're going to play. So just, just to get back to the minute stuff, if, if basically every center is a two shift center, right. And AD and so Mark and Drummond are both sort of six minute shifts each half. And Trez is a six minute and, and Trez is like a five minute shift each half, right? That's 24, 34 of the 48 minutes allotted to center. That means you still have 14 minutes at center to play with in order to figure out how, how you're going to do it. Right. Some of those minutes are going to go to, to AD, but after that, one of those guys is going to be able to get a third shift, right? It could be Mark. It could be Drummond. It could be Trez, right? Or it could be AD, who is just basically living at center for more of those minutes, right? But there's going to be time there. In terms of the X's and O's stuff, I what I think is, is Booker to me is the bigger problem than Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul is no longer the, the super dynamic, I'm going to beat you with quickness and speed. He's more craft. And I trust Mark to sort of navigate that stuff a little bit better. Where I'm more concerned about is the no roller behind stuff in trying to make sure that, that Aiton doesn't live at the front of the rim on lobs. Right. And be because that's where Mark can get in a little bit more trouble. I like Mark as a perimeter defender in our traps. And a big part of that is what Darius said to lead that off in that he will rotate back to the correct guy pretty much every time. And if you're in a trap, you just have to not get beat. I've mentioned this before. If you're on the ball, just don't get beat in your direction. Meaning that you step on the sideline, Booker is going to beat him off of the dribble, but send him back toward your help. And that's one of the things that Mark's really, really great at, along with banging with those post scores. Where he's weak is where he's dropped back into the paint. And that's something that Booker and CP3 could both exploit in that if you are under control and you can hit that little 10-foot pull-up, Mark's gonna, not going to put any pressure on that shot at all. So if you have a smaller guard fighting over the top trying to get to those guys, that's a super easy shot for guys who are great at that particular shot. So we can't have Mark dropped back into the paint. But if we are trapping with Mark, what that means, and this goes to kind of putting AD in the center of the frame, we're talking about Mark playing alongside AD those last six minutes of the first, last six minutes of the third, that's AD's time to roam around. That's the four-on-three situation because we're trapping on the ball with Mark and whoever the guard is. That's where AD's at his best in shutting down those opportunities, and it forces him to do that. So if we've got Mark in the game, I want us to be actually very aggressive with our perimeter coverages because I think that that's the best bet. So I think this is a this is a good plan. I think that Frank Vogel and the coaching staff have a lot of things that they can still go to. They can still dust Keefe off. In certain, sure. I don't, I'm not saying I think that could happen, but like they've got mm -hmm. they've got other app uh, other options. They've got other answers to go to. I still think that the biggest answer is simply AD being more aggressive, LeBron being more locked in on defense. It all 100%. comes back 100%. to LeBron. And if those guys do that, the rest of this stuff it's all kind of cute because it all just sort of papers over. But it all of the basketball points that you guys make, which is you know why this is the the best Lakers podcast that you created. It's all of that stuff is true. 
Um, in, in, in that, I think will, I, I think if we don't see some of that adjustment in game two, then we're going to have to have a different conversation, right? Cause then they're, then maybe their Phoenix is just a little better than we thought. And maybe all of the stuff Pete's been talking about, about cohesion and consistency, um, maybe they will not have had enough time to catch up. Um, maybe LeBron's ankle is not quite there yet. I'm still betting on that. It is I'm betting on the, that they'll adjust. I'm betting on they'll take away a lot of the easy stuff that Phoenix got and they will make it really difficult for Phoenix. And if, if they're going to win game two, it's going to be for some really, really difficult shot making uh, on the perimeter for the most part. And I don't think the Lakers are going to hand it to them like they did to an extent in game one. I think what Mike's saying is 100 percent right. I also think, though, that the tactics like these things lift each other up for me is that you employ better tactics, you employ better rotations, and suddenly things start to come easier and guys start to feed off of that a little bit more, too. And I think the opposite is true. LeBron and AD come out with a little bit more force and everyone else sort of starts to follow suit with that. And then there's a little bit of like, oh, shit, we're rolling like we're rolling now. Mm hmm. And now all those rotations are sharper and more crisp and there's more pressure and Phoenix is on their heels a little bit more. And then the Lakers are hunting, right? The thing that the thing that stood out a lot to me is that Phoenix was hunting a lot of the Lakers weaknesses, guys, and the Lakers were not doing a very good job of doing the same against That's Phoenix. Right. And that, Monty Williams is a good coach. Yeah. And that needs to come a little bit more even or the Lakers need to take the lead back in that, in terms of the hunting idea. And if that happens and the Lakers two best players play with the amount of physicality and force that is not only their trademark, but is the difference in this series. Phoenix has the guards. They've got the quickness. They've got the skill. They've got the scoring punch there, but the Lakers have the hammers. They've got LeBron and they have AD. And if they're not going to deploy those hammers, they're going to struggle some. And, and, and they need to get back to sort of playing with that physicality and force. And I don't know a better way to say it because some of this isn't tactics. Some of it is just we're going at your necks. Most of it isn't tactics. But like you said, the job is to make it as easy as possible. And if you do that and you employ the tactics that make it easier – AD sees the ball go through the rim a couple of times. You might have a guy that's activated, right? It makes it easier to get to that point where they're playing with more force. But that said, the vast majority is exactly that. It is LeBron. It is AD. It is their attention to detail, the force, and the verve which, with which they play. But we can make things easier on them. And hopefully, we see the same pattern as last year where game ones, the other team attacked our weaknesses much more than we attacked theirs, but we counterpunched and we made those adjustments throughout the series to be able to get the win. Till then, we got the game tonight. Everybody enjoy. Uh, hopefully we pick up that W, get that split in Phoenix. But until the next time, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth 
is an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding, kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.